Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Dr. Kapran Chapik has been a staff physician at Amen Clinics since 2013. He's a graduate of Bastyr University in the Seattle area and has a special interest in the assessment and treatment of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Today, we mostly talk about traumatic brain injuries, PTSD, and how that overlays with anxiety disorders, among other things. He's the founding president of the Psychiatric Association of Naturopathic Physicians. He's also the author of Concussion Rescue, a comprehensive program to heal traumatic brain injury. It's an important idea, folks, whether we're talking about athletics or just the general population. This is information you should know. We had a great time talking shop and sharing information and ideas with Dr. Chapik, and we know that you're going to gain a lot from today's discussion. As always, like and please share the podcast, subscribe if you feel like it, leave a rating, and definitely send some feedback our way. We want to bring the best information possible to you, the Good Athlete Project family, and for that, we want to hear from you. Until then, enjoy today's podcast with Dr. Cabron Chapik. Uh, we don't think about our brain as an organ that can be treated and healed and optimized uh, as much as we think about other parts of our body. Uh, and as we, before we were talking about what's good for the body is good for the brain, it's often true. Uh, there's a lot of crossover, but there are specific things related to the brain. For example, we think about cholesterol being high, and it's debatable whether it's a true cardiovascular risk factor. Mm -hmm. um, but the Framingham Heart Study, for example, that helped us understand high levels of cholesterol associated with heart disease, also told us that high levels of cholesterol are associated with higher intelligence and um, brain health sort of brain function because our brains are mostly fat. Right. There's a high amount of cholesterol in the brain. And, and if the cholesterol levels get below 150 or 160 total, mm -hmm. we tend to see more suicidal thoughts and more homicide, more suicide and homicide statistically. So can you say that one more time? Because it, you're, you're a doctor. <clears throat> so I, I want everyone who's listening to the podcast who says, no, that can't be true. I, I'd like you to say it one more time. I actually... Sure. And, and then I have sort of a follow-up to that. So people who have cholesterol levels below 150, 160, there's higher incidence of suicide and homicide. And I can send you the study. If yeah. Like. Actually, if you're interested, I'd be super – I would love to see it. Is that um, – but there's variations in cholesterol. I think when people think mm -hmm. cholesterol, they think of the bacon yeah. fat in the, in the bottom of the pan perhaps, um, yeah. not recognizing the complexity of, of that concept and the variations and how all fat is not treated the same. Um, do, mm -hmm. do you, I'm sure this has come up in, in your research and, and perhaps might even be a component of your um, therapies, uh, omega-3 fatty acid consumption. Mm -hmm. Really important. Yeah. Can, you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's right. Not, not all fats are the same. There's sort of good fats and bad fats. And, and over the years, you know, I've expanded that and, and not all animal fats and saturated fats are as bad as we thought they were, you know, mm -hmm. especially like coconut oil, avocados, they're saturated fats, but they're not as associated with heart disease as we thought. Right. Um, fish oil, sort of your more fluid um, anti-inflammatory oils, really important for brain health, decreasing depression, helping with 
ADD and focus, uh, memory and dementia problems. And with brain injury, it's it's a um, pillar, one of the pillars of treatment, not just a little, but fairly heavy doses. So we're talking three grams of combined EPA, DHA uh, per day. And um, quality is important with fish oil. Yeah. And really all fats. I mean, you definitely don't want trans fats and oxidized fats that have been burned, but you know, we're talking omega-3s, avocados, coconut oil, macadamia nuts, seeds, and butter even. Oh, really? From, mm-hmm. from grass-fed cows? Grass-fed butter. So you can actually measure a country's PCB levels by their butter. Wow. It concentrates in the butter. So you definitely want organic grass-fed butter. You do not want to have non-organic butter because you'll just get concentrated. Chemicals. Do you, uh, this is a selfish question, but is Kerrygold butter, is that organic grass fed? What about that? I, you know what? I know it's very delicious, Kerrygold. I, that's true. <laughs> so there's that's, that. a, there's a pro. Uh, con is it's not certified organic. I think it's, I'm not, I'm, you're, I'm not sure if it's pure enough or not. I'm Googling it right now because it it's not necessarily, I didn't want to put you on the spot as a butter expert, uh, but I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm getting some slow internet connection. I think in but, Ireland, it's, it's like, there's not a lot. It's there's the pasture raised and grass fed. This is what I heard, but it's not necessarily certified organic. So I don't know. I, I think you're right though. I think, I think uh, there are certain countries and I think we are one of them that pro- that, that sort of, uh, force feed corn and soy to mm-hmm. their livestock. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, it says Irish grass fed. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that is great news because it is delicious butter. So that's helpful for me. Um, the is there, there are now after that statement, there are two things I'd like to dig into if you're okay with it. One of them is um, the connection between uh, omega-3 fatty acid consumption at the levels that you're talking about. So three grams, I think a lot of it is, it's usually listed in milligrams and the supplements. So mm-hmm. we're talking about 3000 milligrams. These are 3, not 000. small doses, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially post insult, right? Especially post concussion. And then in the links, I'm not sure people recognize the links to depression. Uh, could you expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit? Yeah. So um, what comes to mind is the omega-3 index, which is a blood test that you can measure. Uh, omega Quan is a company you can order your own and check your omega-3 index. And it talks mm-hmm. about your, or you'll measure your omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. So omega-3s are from like cold water fish, like salmon. Omega-6s are going to be from... Uh, grains and vegetables and things like that. And typically our diets are high in omega-6, low in omega-3. Mm-hmm. And wanna, then got to counterbalance that with higher omega-3 levels. Um, and uh, as far as countries with higher omega-3 levels, there are less like omega-3 or omega index, 8 to 10 is ideal. Mm-hmm. And most Americans in their diet around four, three or four, something like that. It's really terrible. And I've seen that's that's not just research. You know, we met, I measure a lot of my patients, and they tend to be pretty low, especially if there is depression. You raise the omega three levels, and mood will often improve. And you don't have to do that test. You can just simply start taking omega three and self report. Right? Yeah, if you feel better. 
It's pretty amazing. I, you know, the, have you ever heard of the book? I think it's on this. Um, in fact, it's literally right here. Uh, Michael Lewis, when, when brains collide. Yes. I know that guy. Uh-huh. Brilliant. The, uh, there is, I, I, I'm, I'm going to find the study. I won't, I won't. He's a high dose omega-3 guy. He loves the omega-3. The the whole book is essentially gets to the idea that, that we need to be, uh, really dosing heavily. The, um, the one, I won't go through it, but, but, but the one thing that, that stood out, um, there was an examination. It was a published that I think, uh, was not, I, I don't think the findings were ever approved. I think, um, they were withheld, I think by the U S army and he's pretty open about that, but they hmm. are, you know, in the army, they're doing blood tests. Um, they are, those folks are experiencing mild traumatic brain injury at a rate that is, that far exceeds, um, any other population. Um, right. And yeah. he was then tracking and and associating whether it was I believe it was maybe visits to a therapist or potential mm-hmm. self harm and suicide down the road and there mm-hmm. were direct connections between uh, essentially free like omega three index within the blood mm-hmm. uh, and mental health outcomes in this in, okay. enormous population. Wow, that's amazing. That's good work, and we we need more research like that. Uh, uh, and I will say, as important as omega three is for brain healing, mm-hmm. we get stuck into the concept that it it's the one thing to heal the brain. There's been over thirty large scale trials to find the pill to cure the brain from brain injury. Yeah, all have failed. Sure, even some really great natural things like progesterone, acetylcholine, uh, and the problem is, it's not one thing that heals the brain. It's the brain's complicated. Mm-hmm. You know? We, when we put multi, multifactorial elements of a plan, we have vitamin D, we have vitamin C, the oxidative, you know, decreased oxidative stress and oxidative damage, we add in a diet that helps heal the brain. We make sure structural integrity is in check and everything's aligned. Um, make sure sleep is solid. You know, you have, it's a programmatic approach that gives us the very best chance to heal the brain from injury. And that's what I wrote in concussion rescue to help people because that's a different way of looking at it. Well, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, concussion rescue, I believe it hit the shelves on January 28. Mm-hmm. I just ordered, uh, my copy today. So right. I, uh, although I can't report in full at the <laughs> moment, I, uh, I look forward to reading it. Good. I hope you enjoy it. You're a well-read uh, guy. So I, I do try to read, the, uh, but the, uh, I, I, I do, I love that approach. I think you're exactly right. I think too often, um, the reason that we were excited to have you today and the reason that, um, that we do the work that we do in the way that we do it is because we fear that, that too often, uh, we're sort of hunting for sound bites as solutions and that is, it, it can never be true. Uh, essentially if you, if it's, Mm -hmm. if it can fit into a soundbite, it is probably not, um, a, a, an elegant and complex enough solution to an incredibly complicated problem. That is the human brain and the human condition. Exactly. You've got it. You've got it. Mm -hmm. And people are starting to catch on to that. I think. Yep. You know, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and, and I also, I, so I heard an interview with you in preparation for this and, mm-hmm. and you had a, a cool acronym that started to get at, um, tried to 
yeah. I go back and forth is because, because, because people do need something that's digestible. You know, not everyone has the capacity to think through it as thoroughly as, as you might. Um, but if you can kind of keep these staples in line, it at least gives you a fighting chance. So would you be, feel comfortable sharing that with us? Absolutely. So you're talking about bright minds. I sure am. So uh, at Amen Clinics, it's, it's what we do to help look at, help, helps us too, to keep in mind, are we hitting all of the risk factors, all of the contributing factors to brain health? And this, it applies to, we actually created it um, when we created our memory program for dementia and Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease and found that it applies very well uh, to the brain injury program as well as um, helping people who have depression, even ADD. So uh, the first, the B in Bright Minds is blood flow. Of course, Mm -hmm. if there's low blood flow, you know, that's part of the problem with brain injury. The R is retirement and aging. So uh, the the people who are most likely to have brain injury are those who have had, uh, who are very young and the very old. So less than five years old and then above 65 years old. 65 is not that old, but you know, older than that. And sure. People tend to fall at both ends of the spectrum. And that's the most common cause of brain injuries. It's not football. It's actually falls. And people having motor vehicle accidents. I mean, these are the most common causes. Um, mm-hmm. Inflammation is the eye. So... Uh, of course, that, that's one of the underlying mechanisms of uh, traumatic brain injury is that there's a state of chronic inflammation that hasn't been put out and continues to smolder for months and sometimes years. Mm-hmm. And that's where we want to intervene. That's where we have hundreds of studies pointing at this is called uh, secondary impact or secondary injury where uh, we can intervene and, and slow that uh, process of degradation. Mm-hmm. Uh, G is genetics. And so there's the APOE4 allele mm-hmm. where um, it's, it's called the Alzheimer's gene, but really it's more of a pro-inflammatory uh, gene. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, basically people who have this gene, uh, they'll take a little bit of inflammation and run with it. And uh, it's, it's certainly true. Um, you know, why, so why would people have this? It yeah. well, you know, evolutionarily. Right. Uh, I was literally just going to say that. Were you? I was because uh, because I've heard of the connection between APOE4 and Alzheimer's and, and late onset dementias, but but I did not know it was so connected to inflammation. Yeah. Why, why, why so? Mm-hmm. So um, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, human, early humans, the biggest threat was infection or one of the biggest threats was infection. And so having a really robust inflammatory response mm-hmm. was advantageous to kill any invaders into the body, any infections. We're eating meat that's uncooked, you know, we're getting poked and prodded and everything. But now a bigger problem is living a long time with inflammation that will damage our vessels and damage Mm -hmm. our bodies and hearts and minds and brains. So we need to actually quench that. So things that would trigger inflammation like higher blood sugar or having low-grade infections or inflammation is, is more important now then we don't really, it's not really advantageous to have it now. Um, Would you be okay? Could I pause you there just for one question? Because that one is, that's especially compelling. I guess it pairs with the eye. Um, Mm -hmm. There there are three areas uh, in the conversation of mental health 
that we are especially interested in. And uh, I guess you could say intervene if possible. Uh, one of them is self-talk. So the, you know, the conversation going on between your ears and, and oftentimes the way that we name the world is the world that we live in. Um, so we, we, we try to spend some time there. Um, isolation. And you might be able to gather that like a lot of these things can be built up and talked about within athletics really well. So avoiding isolation, being part of a community, finding connection. Um, and then the, the other big one is, uh, hopelessness. We, we try to avoid hopelessness. So, uh, can you talk about what, so I don't know what is having the APOE for gene. Um, should one be hopeless? You know what I mean? Can, right. Can oh, I see. That might actually, uh-huh. look, how do they, how would they approach the world differently say? Yeah. It's not like a death sentence to have the yeah. APOE for allele. That's a great, yeah. thanks for mentioning that because it's not, it just means, you know, we all have our weaknesses and strengths. And so it just means, hey, you're going to be more pro-inflammatory. Your diet really matters. You know, mm-hmm. eating a healthy diet is extra important for you. You can't. So when I see patients with Alzheimer's or dementia, or even with this gene type, and they want to play football or contact sports, think twice. Mm-hmm. You know, just know that, you know, for you, head injury is going to be a much bigger deal. And Excuse so, it, yeah. Okay. You, you brought up the, that's sort of like the big, that's the ticket right there that we have to punch. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that just, that just blows the conversation open completely. I love this. The, um, first is, uh, for folks out there and I, and I certainly want your opinion on this. We Mm -hmm. look at that a lot because we, we try to equip people with, uh, the understanding of what's actually going on. So please feel it, push back, contribute, clarify, whatever you feel is appropriate. I, um, football is certainly the headline, uh, Mm -hmm. grabbing sport, um, in the discussion of concussion, my, our perspective of it based on the numbers is that that's probably large to do largely to do with uh, media exposure. If we were in Canada, uh, it, it, maybe it would be hockey, but certainly anything. And the numbers are fairly clear on concussions per exposure. We are taught when we talk about contact sports, we're talking about football, rugby, lacrosse, uh, hockey, of course, and this is goes for men and women. Soccer, uh, has mm-hmm. a pretty high, exp- uh, concussion per exposure. Yeah, um, you know, it, 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 we're essentially talking about sports at large. Uh, in fact, yeah. we, we sort of joke about the idea that, you know, there's no outcry against horseback riding, but equestrian is like the number one concussion per exposure sport in the world. So a lot of that. Yeah. Um, well, and, 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 and cause so I'm with you. I think if there's a genetic, genetic predisposition toward some sort of negative outcome that we could, and, and we could can get our hands around that before exposing mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, how, how would one go about finding that? How, how easy is it to mm. identify the APOE4? Yeah. And, and I'm going to personalize it incredibly because my sister just had a baby. That baby is a boy. And I know that that question is going to come up before. Too. Oh, let's personalize it for sure. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's really on your mind, isn't it? Understandably so. And everyone knows someone who's had a concussion or is at risk for a concussion. I mean, it's just so common. And I want to equip people with what to do in knowledge. So this is a great conversation. The APOE4 allele and all your genes can be tested by 23andMe. Probably heard their ads. Yeah. And um, within that, you know, battery, you will get APOE4 allele information. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you may be able to order this online. I order this for my patients all the time with the blood test, but the 23andMe is, is accurate and not that expensive comparatively. How, so, how, and what does that mean? How, how not expensive? $200. Okay. Yeah. You get your whole genome. If we do the test through LabCorp, for example, it's $200 just for that one gene. Ah, uh, okay. So why Is not it get more accurate all? than the other? No, same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's a saliva test, 23andMe. And it's interesting. You can look at your how much Neanderthal you have and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a few genes that are interesting. But in the Journal of Neurotrauma in 2008, it was shown that people who had the ApoE4 allele had at six months worse outcome after a brain injury. This mm. is more severe brain injury. This is not mild traumatic brain injury, which is a concussion, right. but more moderate to severe brain injury. Sure. And we think it's because of the pro-inflammatory response. So, you know, I love sports. I played soccer for many years. I'm a runner. I uh, loved climbing trees when I was a kid. Fell out of a lot of trees. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Hit my head, you know, skateboarding. I was a skateboarder. And I think that I'm not here to tell anyone what to do regarding sports. Sure. I just think it's helpful to understand it's not willpower. It's not about, you know, it's about knowledge and knowing your susceptibilities. Do you have the ApoE4 allele or not? Are you drinking sugar water like the rats in the, in the UCLA study? Right. Um, and you're putting your brain more at risk when, you're ha when you have a concussion. Do you have low vitamin D at the time of a concussion, for example? Huh. Well, and, and that's, um, again, so all of this kind of goes back to this sort of multivariate theory and, and, and varied approach that you, that you take, which is so important because it's like, it's not like, like you say, APOE4 is not a death sentence. Does it mean you should be more cautious? Sure. Should be, you uh, be more thoughtful about your nutrition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like all, yes to all. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I, I read a study about that too. And I'm trying to think of where I read it. It may have been in that same book I just referenced. Um, mm -hmm. But essentially, yeah, definitely was because it was talking about, I think there's some pictures in there even about um, nerve cell mm. repair over mm -hmm. time um, when the cell, the, the cell is, it, it was just, a, there was no variation in diet, an increase in omega-3 and in a lot of this, uh, I don't remember what it was. I don't want to say huh. something as simple as sugar, but it was someone was eating sort of a crummy mm -hmm. diet like that. Um, mm. How conclusively different it is. So, yeah, yeah, and and I'll I'll tell you this is uh, and I'm personalizing again, but but it's mm -hmm. just it's a relevant topic to me. I I played football for a long time. I feel um, I feel incredibly privileged for the opportunity. I feel grateful for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It changed my life in a lot of positive ways. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I and I at least to this point in my life, I feel lucky. And, and good. Um, but if, if I could go back and do it again, and, and I really do have to be like honest with my, with myself and thoughtful about this. We, I sincerely, I think if I could go back and do it all again, I know that I would, but mm -hmm. I know that I would have approached certain things differently. For example, when I, hmm. when I, in, after a college football game, I think I would have taken the night off of, from going out. 
if yeah. that makes sense. I would have made yes. sure that I got adequate hydration, uh, nourished myself well, slept well, and that's important. And, th- and that's the sort of discussion, yeah. honestly, that we try to enter in um, from the Good Athlete Project mm-hmm. perspective is, look, we're not trying to be soft. If this is who you are, go do your thing. But mm-hmm. uh, you can be both um, tough and kind and thoughtful and caring all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should be educating people to sort of move in that direction. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. You feel free to quote it. Uh, <laughs> the um, so so. How are you doing? I guess I'll, I'll press. You played soccer for how long? Um, probably first grade up through high school, and then again after in sort of rec leagues and stuff. Um, and uh, plenty of times saw stars. You know, taking a a ball. You know, corner kick and ball's pretty heavy coming fast and hard and um you know when we started uh at Amen clinics everyone gets the opportunity to scan their own brain mm-hmm. and oh. i did and there were some holes in my scan alex <laughs> oh my, or jim i mean oh my gosh i was That's scary scared and it was like mm, let's not show the other doctors my scan sure um and so what i did was it motivated me though to yeah. figure out, okay, can I improve this? Mm-hmm. Can I help my own brain to improve? And uh, I was noticing that I would have some fluctuations in blood sugar. Like I would feel kind of low energy at various points throughout the day, kind of like hypoglycemic. And uh, that was the key for me. So I actually put myself on the ketogenic diet high fat, low carb diet, and that stabilized my energy sources to the brain. And I rescanned my brain, and four months later, the holes were gone. Hmm. And my energy. Four months. Yeah, four months later. Um, Did you do anything uh, else differently, or was it purely diet? It was just diet, because before this time, so this, if we rewind the tape, so I started a year later, I rescanned. It didn't do anything different than taking a few extra supplements that we have here uh, for brain healing, and same. About the same. about the same. Then I said, okay, man, I really got to do something. Checked for maybe it was low testosterone. Maybe I have sleep apnea, ruled some of those things out, negative testosterone level. I mean, I'm a naturopathic physician. I'm eating a whole foods diet with protein in each meal and healthy fats and stuff. But it just wasn't enough. And so doing this helped to, you know, your brain uses 20 to 30% of calories in your diet. Mm-hmm. a quarter of your plate right to your brain and it's only two percent of your body weight mm. and uh it just wasn't getting fueled properly and so i think that was a key for me and, and for many other people it's it's very helpful so after a concussion or a head injury or if it's been chronically a problem and you're not getting better um that's one intervention that can help like i had a um airline pilot he got punched out He went to Australia, was in a bar, got punched out, Mm. and uh, couldn't fly home. Mm. It was just, you know, dizzy and headache and uh, saw him, was working with him. Uh, He was overwhelmed with the protocol we were trying to do, couldn't take supplements, and he was running out of money because he couldn't work. He said, what's the one supplement I can take? And I said, let's just focus on your diet and do the ketogenic diet. So he did that for about three weeks. His energy started to improve, his mood improved, his sleep got better, and he was able to do more elements of the plan. 
And uh, now he's going back to work. This is about two years later, but he's able to return as a pilot now. That's amazing. That's amazing. I've actually heard that the key, people talking about keto and, and uh-huh. scan mm-hmm. doing that same thing. I think that's amazing. Um, so folks understand this fully. And I guess, so I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the holes in your brain. So people know they were oh, yes. actual holes in the brain. Uh, but there was, uh, it, and it's not, is, am I right to think that it's not necessarily that activation is shut down in those regions completely. It's just that blood flow has somehow been limited to those regions. Is that? Yeah, it's, it's regions of, uh, cerebral blood flow. So if those cells are less active, they're not going to show up compared to the other cells around them. Hmm. So it doesn't mean is that the, the way that it moves? It's like the cells are no longer that active, so they're no longer fueled, or it's not. Exactly. So it's not an interruption on the vascular side. It's the. It could be interruption on the vascular side if there was, if but usually it's act it's cells because we actually take two scans, okay, both at rest and concentration, and you can compare the two. So if there's a spot of deactivation that is very round and circular, both at rest and concentration, it looks exactly the same. Usually that's like a cyst or a tumor or something like that. Okay. More often than not, it changes. So at rest, it will be uh, underactive with concentration. It, it may be um, good, hmm. good blood flow. For example, an ADD pattern is deactivation in the frontal lobe which is for concentration and focus mm-hmm. when we have someone concentrate on a task that's kind of boring. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind actually, of, say it again. I'm sorry. It's kind of what their brain deactivates. Right. When we have them concentrate. Oh, it's really? Counterintuitive. Yeah. But it's a task that is not interesting to them. And so their brain turns off. It's like, imagine getting distracted in class. A teacher's talking for too long and you start daydreaming, but, but they have, they do this, people with ADD, it's very, this happens very easily. Sure. Um, it makes it hard to, to do certain things. Um, like that's yeah. Finish homework yeah, and paperwork and taxes. And, um, so you can actually see that and it's very validating for people who think they're just lazy or mm-hmm. uh, not working hard enough. No, your brain works differently and there's a lot of positives to it. It's like a hunter's brain. Where if it's something's exciting, life or death scenario, the brain turns on and you can focus and concentrate. If you have a lot of purpose, people with ADD, it's really important for them to have a greater sense of purpose in their life because that will fuel them and that will create dopamine, which turns on the frontal lobe. Hmm. And uh, so it's just how you look at it. And that's, we're very big on that is destigmatizing these diagnoses because these are people, they're not the person with ADD. You know, it's like, this is, this is how your brain works. Let's try and optimize you. That's what I love about your work, Jim, is that you guys are trying to optimize athletes and optimize, just help people become their best selves. hundred percent. That's what I love to do as well. So, well, I love that. I am so glad to hear you say that. The, um, and I like that you use the term destigmatize because I think that's right in all senses. I, I wonder, um, sometimes I worry when we call, you know, we work in a lot of schools. Mm. I, I worry, uh, actually, the first group that we ever worked with, we were, I was shortly, recently out of grad school and we got called out to, um, to a school in San Mateo County, California. And we uh-huh. were given, we had essentially 30 uh, students dropped in our labs 
And these students had been sort of dog-eared as uh, can't pay attention, essentially the bad kids. Uh, and it's, funny, it, it's funny because they knew it too. Do you remember this, Alex? Mm-hmm. It was, um, I know you remember the trip, uh, but one kid, as the students slowly started to show up to this common meeting area, mm-hmm. uh, we were meeting for the first time. One of the kids goes, oh, oh no. I think these guys are cops. And the reason he thought that was, you know, all his buddies who also had a hard time paying attention and got in trouble regularly. That's uh-huh. the group that started to amass. <laughs> and they thought that they were being sort of taken away. I worry kind of going back to the, you know, these, these uh, interventions in mental health, self-talk and naming yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, right. If you, if you tell a kid at an influential phase in their life that they have attention issues or you know, if you if, if you name it so concretely um i i wonder that that would i worry i guess that that would influence their behavior in mm-hmm. a way that we didn't um yeah i think it's important to to assess and diagnose and talk about it because if you on the other hand if you don't then they think well what's wrong with me then why 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 can't i do this it's like totally i know something's up but it's, it's, it's how you, it's how you say, yes, you have ADD and this is what it means. It's there's some good things, some not so good things. And right. that's how I like to, to phrase well, it. Totally. Well, I, and I wonder even that it's like, um, you, you have trouble paying attention and here are some of the steps that we're going to take to kind of alleviate that. Here's how we're going to work with what excites you instead of you are afflicted with this, uh, thing that sounds like a disease. Right, right. Which is kind of, yeah, the old school way. It's like, okay, you, you can't do, you're not going to do well in school. You just shouldn't try. No, it's that you just need some help and to do things a different way and you can do anything. Totally, totally, right? It's like maybe you don't respond well to this sort of teaching, but there, but there's something there for you. Um, so before, I, I don't want to cut off with that. I, I cut you off after the G. Okay, yes, back oh, to the sorry. bright minds. Thank you. Bringing us back. Um, so the H is head injury, of course. So this is, you know, uh, in the past 12 years working in mental health, I would say that brain injuries are a major cause of mental illness and no one knows about it hmm. because we tend to minimize brain injury. We think unless it's a loss of consciousness or you were taken to the emergency room, probably didn't count, wasn't enough to count, but brain injuries are in fact cumulative. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that the horse people or the, the riders, the equestrians, they, man, so I asked people, we have to ask specifically, uh, and this is, I was amazed when I started working at Amen Clinics that people will say, no, I haven't had a brain injury. Unless you ask them specifically, uh, have you ever fallen off a horse? Have you ever had a motor mm-hmm. vehicle accident, fallen out of a tree? I had a um, patient, he was 21 when he came to see me. His name, we call him Jeremy. And uh, he was this jazz drummer, real active kid. And he had been suicidally depressed since he was 14 years old. Jeez. Mm, every day. Tried every medication, been to some really great therapists. And the therapist who referred him to us was awesome. And he was just smoking pot every day. That's the only thing that helped him feel better. He was in this relationship that was kind of toxic. Um, band wasn't going anywhere. And we scanned his brain. It was clear he had had damage to his brain from a brain injury at some point in his life. And he had damage to the left side. And, but nothing in his history had listed brain injury. He had no history of that. And so I asked him, hey, Jeremy, uh, have you ever fallen out of a tree, 
skateboarded? Did you ever have a car accident? No, no, no. His mom was with him. And I said, have you ever played contact sports? Oh, I started playing football when I was 13 or so. And he was mashed up against the coach's son. who was already six foot tall at the time. And here's a scrawny little kid. Mm-hmm. And he, he would get pounded. He'd have headaches after practices. He would just feel kind of dazed. And that's when his depression started. So in addition to changing his medication regimen, uh, we put him on a program to help him heal his brain. Hmm. And after several months, his suicidal thoughts went away, told him he got to stop smoking pot, and he stopped smoking pot. Uh, he f- as well as the suicidal thoughts. I'm sorry, uh, we, we, had a, we had an internet thing it, right oh. after, we got him to stop, start, got him to stop smoking pot. Got him to stop smoking pot. His suicidal thoughts and his depression began to lift. And he broke up with the girl, you know. And now it's two years later, three years later now, he's about to graduate from Berkeley School of Music and doing great. Uh, But the key is that we don't often think that brain injuries are contributing to different mental health issues, whether it's depression, anger, um, even attention problems. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have a brain scan. You can think back and, and take the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think that's, that's staggering to me that, you know, I'm th- thinking of how many years I worked without scanning people's brains and missing brain injury as part of the program. Um, I, I think it's really eye opening. There's, there's a larger discussion to be had. I, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's complicated. It's interesting. I, I think, um, I, I want to make sure that the people who are involved in sports who are listening to this don't assume that because they played sports, they have that this is yeah. their, their, this is their inevitable outcome. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a possible situation, yes. of course, 16.1 million people in the U S who are suffering from depression did not all play rugby, uh, right. you know, like okay. as an example, but it is what you're talking about. It is a factor. It is a component uh, we want to be clear what, in, you know, that we're asking people, I think, in ther- using therapies, uh, mm-hmm. asking them to do things that they can actually do. And like we sort of started this conversation with, if we're missing a key physiological component um, and asking them to climb a hill that's just too steep, that would be a miss in our practice. Right, so, yeah. right. Thanks for awesome. clarifying that. Yeah, that's true. We certainly, <laughs> just playing football doesn't mean you're you're doomed for right uh, depression or something but no well, well I, and i wonder if there so if you mentioned not everyone is going to be able to get a brain scan so if there were mm-hmm. say say everyone listening reflects back realize that at some point in their life they probably did something where they knocked sure. their head like fall off a bike whatever that whatever it was mm-hmm. what what are what are a few key things uh that they could do right now that hmm. would potentially set them up for greater success. And yeah. do you have to go down the rest of bright minds? I've yes. interrupting. <laughs> would that inform the answer to this question? Um, yeah, it would. Okay. So I would, the, so H is head injury, T is toxins. So uh, of course, eliminating things that are hurting the brain, whether that's alcohol, too much alcohol, too much caffeine, even mm-hmm. in the constrict blood flow, cannabis use, um, drug use. 
So that would be first removing those because that's going to be bad for the brain in any case. I can't, you got to stop talking because you're too interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> because I just keep on a, so the, the cannabis use, um, yeah. can, you, can you give a little bit there? And the reason that I, that I push on that in particular is because some people are recommending um, the use of cannabis as a, you know, as a recovery aid. Right. I know it's a hot topic and it's controversial. Uh, and, and CBD, we're watching to uh, understand its effects. Cer- certainly there are some uh, anti-inflammatory effects and that's one of the mechanisms that I mentioned, right? When it decrease mm-hmm. inflammation. Yet sometimes CBD can be globally too calming to the brain for people. And so I, I'm a little cautious to see long-term what happens. So I would, I would be okay with using some topical CBD acutely or perhaps even orally for the first week or two when we know there's definitely more inflammation. But I would worry about long-term usage causing deactivation to the entire brain. Hmm. So there was a study done in 2005 because they were looking at corticosteroid use in the ER for severe brain injury. And by the way, mechanisms for severe brain injury are the same for mild brain injury and also for chronic oftentimes. And so that's where we're extrapolating the studies and utilizing them. My book has, you know, all of the information is referenced back to brain injury. Um, But they took the standard of care in the emergency room was corticosteroids after severe brain injury. And, in 2005, they did the then we're not because it just slammed down inflammation too much. It's like one specific thing, just too much quenching of inflammation and more people didn't recover. And so I worry about CBD and cannabis. It's probably not that extreme. It's probably... Yeah more mild, but I just worry about it causing too much deactivation. And, and, and you're talking about the, you're talking about CBD in particular. We haven't mentioned the C, uh, the THC component. Um, well, yeah, I think cannabis, we, in our studies with, um, spect imaging, you know, that's the kind of cool thing about having 150,000 scans in this database. Right, we can right. do some interesting research. And so what Dr. Amen did recently is he, so, okay, what causes just in general de- decreased blood flow into th- the brain? The first thing is aging. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes sense. As you get older, less blood flow. Sure. Uh, number two, schizophrenia. I mm-hmm. kind of surprised by that one, but generalized decreased activity. It's a neuroinflammatory um, mental health problem. Third was cannabis. Hmm. Uh, this was not differentiating high THC versus CBD strains and all of that. This was just yeah. in our database. If people reported using cannabis, that was they were included into the, wow. the search term, whatever. So that's why I say we're still kind of watching it mm-hmm. and to understand what's. I don't want to, you know, if it's if if it's helping people, good. If it's decreasing pain, if it's helping with appetite, it's just that I think there are other things that we can use that we know don't decrease brain activity globally. And um, why not use those first if it's, you know, that would be my approach. Okay, toxins. M M is mental illness. So brain injuries contributing to depression, anxiety. I is infections or immune system. Mm. So uh, having infections 
whether it's uh, you know reactivation of mono like EBV or lime or even uh, mold. If you have mold in the home, that can cause a lot of inflammation and slow healing. You know, it's, yeah. it's several patients that was a barrier to their their healing process. Um, and is neurohormones, and this is an interesting area because. Uh, 25 to 50% of people with a history of brain injury have damage to the pituitary gland. This is your master hormone gland right in the center of the brain. Right. If it is damaged, there's less signal to the testes, to the adrenals, to the thyroid to produce growth hormone. So that can be screened with testing, blood work. You can just check and see. It's the reason why Dr. Kevin Yuen out of – he's one of the top – neuroendocrinologist, he's in Phoenix, and he did some interesting research looking at football players again, as we're talking about that, mm-hmm. found that um, 20 to 30% of them, these were retired NFL, played for many years, have sure. low growth hormone or low testosterone, mm-hmm. uh, which was these huge, you know, Hercules guys, you know, right. but they have low testosterone, low growth, horm- growth hormone, and that can be corrected. And another resource is, Dr. Mark Gordon, um, who is a neuroendocrinologist, who has trained me and has trained many other doctors, including the one who wrote Brains Collide. What was his name? Uh, Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis, yeah. We actually did training together um, on uh, endocrinology and TBI. So in any case, that's a key piece. Growth factors for the brain. that's, That's a great one because I don't think people think about that one very often. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, <clears throat> all of these, uh, there's got to be some sort of bi-directional relationship for each component, meaning like essentially a spider web of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think about like how sleep degrades the health of the brain and how degraded health of the brain might interrupt sleep. I think about um, the hormonal stuff. <clears throat> of course, if, if one were to injure through contact sports, or I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think military service is a, is a, is yes. a big one for that sort of injury. Oh, is that right? Huge. huge. Yeah, the concussive blast from IEDs is yeah. really, I think, more damages the pituitary than other um, types of just concussive brain injuries. But hmm. yeah, because it penetrates more deeply, that shock wave. Huh. I, yeah, I, I, I believe you. I, I haven't, yeah, it's not, it's, <laughs> I never thought about it like that, but I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense. Instead of just you know bumping your head, there's an actual shock right. wave. That's that's yes. kind of weird to think about. Um, well, and, 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 yeah. Anyway, I feel like each one of these could oh, be its own podcast. This it's it's exciting, but um, all things <laughs> cool. It's it is exciting because this is a new new way to look at healing the brain from injury and. You're catching on to this. A lot of people are catching on to how we need to do multiple elements. And there's crossover. Like, I love that. Uh, diet is anti-inflammatory. Plus, it can help fuel the brain, glucose. Mm-hmm. The supplements have crossover. Um, the hormones are both anti-inflammatory plus can help with um, activation, more dopamine, more energy. Mood, uh, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Mood for sure. Even you know, low testosterone is associated with anger and irritability as much as super super high testosterone mm-hmm. levels. So yeah. that's important. The D in bright minds is diabetes. So higher blood sugar levels impeding healing to the brain. Uh, so we talked about the UCLA study with the rats and mm-hmm. 
the brain doesn't need, even though it likes sugar, too much sugar will imbalance the uh, metabolism. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'll pause there for a second too, because I, yeah. I, I think as we examine all of our processes, like, you know, we are advocates of, of health and wellness and, and mm-hmm. oftentimes it takes a coordinated, uh, competitive novel effort like sports to get people out and moving, hopefully teaching health and wellness for a lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. then you factor in all the potential for risk in this, into that discussion. And some people, you know, certain circles, there's an outcry to stop all contact sports, <clears throat> but, but you just made, um, such a compelling point and it's something that we refer to regularly it's it's you know um stop you know go get trying to get on board with the logic of some of these mini movements um stop all contact sports find why um because there's a risk of cognitive impairment if an injury presents itself fine but um don't we also have a a multi-billion dollar concern on our hands like that you're talking about that also Mm -hmm. impedes uh, that also has a negative influence on cognitive function people don't recognize that quite as much that obesity diabetes mm. all these uh, all these things uh, oh yes very i see your point yeah yeah <laughs> so, you know what i mean it's it, it's <clears throat> how do we how do we solve that put out that fire um yeah. you know essentially is is the is the risk worth it um Right, because you get all these benefits from exercise as well, right. like team building and confidence, and that. And then there's this risk, and it's kind of like, and then look at well, let's let's spend our energy and efforts on things that are like there's more negatives than positives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, it's like with with the sports thing and and head injury and, and that is, it's like I I would I would advocate. Um, that if someone is going to play contact sports, you want to at least put your seatbelt on, you know, which means getting good rest, maybe a ketogenic diet, taking supplements, optimizing vitamin D, optimizing hormones, uh, exercising regularly. And, um, and that, that will at least put you in the best shape to prevent injury yeah. Uh, it's not going to prevent a wreck from happening. You might still get in an accident, but hopefully the damage will be much less. That's a really good way to look at it. And, and, and at, the, at the risk of being super lame, it's almost, it's like calling a defense. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, uh, you, you cannot protect against everything, but, but you, but you yeah. put yourself with as much information as possible and, and essentially make thoughtful selections based on what's on your environment and what's coming at you. Um, mm-hmm. The same can be said for sort of anything, uh, selecting whether or not to play a sport, but like you said, tripping and falling accounts for yeah. more mild traumatic brain injury than, than anything else. So, yes. um, that's true. Anyway. Okay. We could go on that all day. I, we still haven't gotten to the, the S is it right? Mind right minds plural. Last but not least. And you kind of led up to it with, with sleep. So it is sleep and 30 to 70% of people with a history of brain injury have chronic sleep problems. Hmm. And it's more like 70% because wow. A lot of people have sleep problems anyway. And that's like the curse because if you have sleep problems, it's hard to heal mm-hmm. and you're going to feel worse. And it's just like a vicious cycle. Um, one of the reasons why I was actually at a brain injury conference five years ago. I'm going to speak there next week. Uh, nice. Ask sleep problems without a brain injury. 
And I was... See, I'm sorry. I hate to do this because you're at such a good point. We lost you again right oh. after you said you are about to go present. No worries. So I was got, uh, about to go present at a brain injury conference next week. Uh, and someone asked me in the same conference five years ago, why does everyone have sleep problems if they've had a brain injury? And uh, I certainly had seen that, but I wasn't exactly sure the mechanism. I said, I'll go find out for you. <laughs> and so I researched this and well, as you might guess, the melatonin levels are lower if you've had a brain injury. So that's one solution is taking melatonin. But there's also decreased hypocretin, which is a hormone that keeps you awake. Hmm. And so that's often why people are very sleepy during the day hmm. and fatigued is because they don't have as much hypocretin being produced. And then the third reason here is that just the neurons have been damaged and dazed and it's like lights that are flickering. They're not fully on, but not fully off either. Hmm. And they can't rest. They, they need, your brain needs some energy to be able to turn off the neurons and to rest. And so, mm-hmm. those, are the, the, so those are the bright minds risk factors. Um, supplements are key. We didn't, they address multiple factors. Um, getting good sleep, exercise, hormones, um, diet, and structural integrity. Um, hyperbaric oxygen if needed. Hmm. Um, I like to recommend. How, how expensive is that treatment? It's expensive and time intensive. Yeah. Because <laughs> you need to go to 40 hours typically to start yeah. and like every day for 40 days. So yeah, it's, it's no small feat. And you may or may not need to do it depending where you're at. If I had one, one thing if I could only do one thing to heal someone from brain injury, it would be hyperbaric oxygen. Hmm. Just go do hyperbaric oxygen. It'll give you a boost. It'll help with healing. It has multiple mechanisms of action, turning on genes, pushing oxygen to the deeper structures. But it works so much better if you do all of the other things. Right. Right. If, if you don't do all the other things, you may relapse. If you do all the other things, it may be enough too. Sure. So, so you just, one of our tagline uh, mantras, a a term that we bring into every place we go is, does your behavior match your goal? We call it, it's the sort of the mantra of practical mindfulness. It's Mm, accountable in all its forms. I I really like, maybe that's the shirt we're going to send him a shirt. Maybe that's the shirt. I love that one. But because, um, And I'm not going to name any names, but we had a young man who was concussed. Um, mm-hmm. And my, th- this is a theory, but my mm-hmm. theory was he, he, it's a hypothesis actually. The, the, I don't think he wanted to play. <laughs> so he did receive mm-hmm. a concussion, but I think um, sat out longer than he had, which is a, which is a real thing. And I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that's the norm. I think in this case, um, perhaps it was exaggerated. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean to dismiss the pain. I I, I certainly am not being dismissive of this discussion at at all. It's, it's it's central to my life right now. I think, um, he, his family went the the extra mile to go to a hyperbaric, um, Ah. chamber of some kind. And they, they really, um, they really were seemingly trying to get him healthy. Sure. Um, and it, I'm telling you, it wasn't 10 days into his treatment that he got suspended from school from vaping some sort of substance that he was supposed to be vaping. <laughs> oh, no. So, it, meaning it, it, it's just, uh, yeah. 
Is your behavior mean, match your goals? What's that? Does your, your behavior, behavior match? match? Exactly right. Are you trying to, are you yeah. trying to heal from this thing? But again, just to sort of prove your point, none of this stuff yeah. works in isolation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. That's so, true. That's true. It's interesting. Hmm. Um, okay. All of that to get to the, the, the question that we asked before, uh, you, you would do hyperbaric chamber. Um, if for the, for the person who might not be able to afford gene testing or brain scan or hyperbaric chamber, what are, what are a couple things that you'd recommend upon reflection and recognizing that perhaps there's something mm-hmm. that's happened in their brain? What are a few things that you would recommend immediately? One of the things that it's so simple, but so difficult is your diet. Yeah. And if you, if, if it, the ketogenic diet is right for you, I would try that. Um, and, uh, I lost you again, man. I'm, I'm sorry. This is, um, especially we're, we're, we're hitting stride and we lost you right after if, if, That's fine. That if the ketogenic diet is right for you, I would try that. If the ketogenic diet is right for you, I would try that because it's, it's simple. Uh, but not easy. And, you know, it's, um, and and this doesn't cost anything other than, you know, the expense of buying all this expensive food that you have to eat with ketogenic diet. But that's one thing I would consider. Uh, Another is to try supplements, you know, so there are a number of supplements in the book that you could put yourself on and try for several months and see if that really gives a boost that often is sufficient. You know, in fact, so we did at Amen Clinics a study with 30 retired NFL football players, similar to this, the um, other studies that have been done. And we had them do supplements, exercise, lose weight if they needed to, screen for sleep apnea and treat that if needed. And after six months, they had 80% improvement in memory, um, focus, and mood. So um, that was simple, simple program, um, comprehensive, you know, it's hitting multiple mm-hmm. elements. That wasn't even including testing and treatment for hormones or nutrient deficiencies, which I recommend doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, wasn't any special diet. It was just, you know, a lower carb diet, um, protein at each meal, cutting out junk food, you know, pretty simple. So that, that will help a lot of people. But if you're still not better, that's where you want to <clears throat> think about other things. You know, right. With sleep, ketogenic diet, hyperbaric oxygen, hormones. I love it. I, I think it's... Um... I think it's meaningful. And, and the thing that, that sort of uh, the unsaid truth of what you just said is that you're also, if nothing else, for people who are having tough time mentally or cognitively, um, you're adding hope to the process. You're adding purpose. You're adding, adding a sense of self-awareness and self-management. And I think, you know, yeah. even if all of that stuff is placebo, which I don't believe it is, of course, but, mm-hmm. but, but to, to have the physiological benefit of the things you're talking about combined with the psychological benefit of, of those other components, uh, I think there's a real uh, perhaps road to recovery for people. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you doing that work, man. Well, it's my pleasure, Jim. And, you know, that's what I'd like to say. And that's what I'm here to say is that it's never too late to heal your brain and improve your brain. You know, it may be, may not be able to return to 100% of what you were before, but you 
it's never too late at least to try to heal the brain from injury or to try and improve your mental health or physical health. It's Mm -hmm. never too late. I love that. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time you spent with us tonight. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, it's no doubt that you are, you're, you're a leader in this field and, and we're honored to have you. Um, I do have sort of one closing question. It's a mini version of the lightning round. Uh, but we've mentioned self-talk a couple of times and we're really interested in it. Um, is there anything in, in the realm of self-talk that, that you use, uh, whether it's a mantra, whether it is, uh, you know, the language you use to get through a difficult day or to get you to the next level of you. Is there any commonality within the self-talk that you use to get to the top of your field? Well, it's, it's more than just a sentence, but, um, you know, we use a concept called ant therapy, automatic negative thoughts or ants. And I will often say to myself or to my patients who are having ants, like who are thinking, okay, I'm a failure or I'm never going to be able to complete this task or I'm, I'm going to get there. They're going to laugh at me or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions are very powerful to ask yourself to challenge these thoughts. Like, is this a hundred percent true? Mm-hmm. No, I'm a failure. No, it's not a hundred percent true in every aspect of my life. And so that opens up a little sh- crack that, it may not be true. Oh, I can let it go a little bit and then turn it around. This is the work of Byron Katie, uh, who asks for questions called the work. And it's very powerful. It's sort of a cognitive behavioral slash mindfulness based approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you turn it around. Okay. What's the opposite of that? I'm a failure. Well, I'm doing okay in life or I'm a success. Is that true? Is that hundred percent true? Oh yeah. In some areas it is. Uh, cause we can always, focus on the negative or focus on the positive. And I find that's very helpful for me if I'm feeling like this is so bad, this isn't doing well. We did this exercise with all the doctors at Amen Clinics earlier this week and I volunteered, something bad happened. I said, oh, this is so bad. And then it ended up being, is this so good? Yeah, this is, I'm learning from this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so... I asked the question, is it 100% true? No. Yeah. Then turn it around. I'm, I'm with you. And I, I love that idea. That's, that's a strategy that I think we should use more. Mm-hmm. Just the, 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 the lack of absolute um, leaves yeah. such room for the sliver of optimism even can be a very powerful thing. Mm, that's well said. Yeah. There's, there's room for gray. That doesn't have to be black or white, all or nothing. No doubt. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for all this information. I know people will benefit from it. Um, if you've got anything uh, that you'd like to share moving forward, we'd be happy to have you back on. So. Okay. I appreciate the time, Jim. Great questions and good to talk with you. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, 
they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.